0: This podcast is sponsored by AAA, the American Automobile Association. AAA members get discounts on tickets, resort accommodations, and more at Walt Disney World and other Orlando attractions. If you book a qualifying Walt Disney World resort vacation package at select AAA offices, you'll receive a free subscription to touringplans.com, as well as dedicated trip planning resources just for AAA clients. Go to AAA.com or ask your local AAA travel agent for more details on this offer. Hi, and welcome back to another edition of the Unofficial Guide Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's Len Testa, and I'm here with Jim at the entrance to Disney California Adventure. And in today's show, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to start walking through DCA, not as it is today, but as it was when it first opened. (laughs) That's Jim's reaction to the park as it first opened. So imagine in the front of the park, you've got, uh, instead of the the, uh, light blue architecture that is the entrance now, you had the giant word California in stainless steel gleaming out at you, reflecting the sun back at you, like some sort of blinding light. And as we walk through the park today, Jim's, Jim's going to explain to us what the park was like when it first opened, what decisions were made to uh, to describe what Disney was going for with the park, and then what ultimately happened to get uh, the park built the way it was. So I'd like to welcome uh, Jim back to the show. Jim, how's it going?
1: Not bad, not bad. And it's funny you mention the, the, the letters at the front of the park, because this is a great story. Associated with a height test for that. The height test. The height test. Because again, you have to understand that when it comes to Disney, they want to make sure about visual intrusion. Right. And you know, every you know, for example, when they put the the Golden Gate Bridge here, uh, the, the monorail that travel over, they actually did a balloon test. So, and they stood at the hub to see how high the Golden Gate Bridge could be before you could see it at the hub, and it's like, okay, it's too high, pull it down then. So, you know, I mean, Disney's all about height and being the right height. So they were trying to decide at the entrance of California Adventure, how big should the letters be for for California? California. So what they did is they built a C and an A, and that was 12 feet tall. And then they built another C and an A, and that was 13 feet tall. And they they put them on the work site. And so now you have to say the monorail is now running back and forth on the morning while they're like, well what do you think that looks like? And it's like I think that looks like yeah. giant caca. <laughs> <laughs> Kaka
0: <That or laughs> they could not have gone A A C C No C A. No,
1: and it's so no. so literally the guys at Guest Relations are like is, is There's somebody
0: spelling caca in the new park because I have... I, I don't know if we need to turn open up the windows at the Disneyland Hotel or if this guest is high, but he's claiming he sees giant caca.
1: And, you know, oh, so God. it was immediately somebody had to run over and knock down one of the C's <laughs> and one of the A's. But, you know, they, they, they ended up comping a number of meals and tickets that day
0: from oh, people who had written the
1: monorail in from the hotel. Caca. But, Interesting
0: all right so uh, so the so you you would uh, you would approach the turnstiles mm-hmm. for the first version of the park going past these gleaming California letters and sort of in the distance to your point you you saw the Golden Gate Bridge yep, yep. Sort of in the middle of what amounts to the main street section of the park, mm-hmm. and the monorail would go through that. What was what was the sort of the landscape like when you first? Moved well, to
1: the, well the, the concept was you were stepping into a giant three D picture postcard. In fact, you know, you, you walk to the California letters, and then you you the world's largest mosaic
0: a mural so was it it was a you were stepping into a postcard yeah it, it totally makes sense now that you just said it <laughs> but that just cleared up about 15 years of mystery well far, there you go and right in fact you know, the fact,
1: the thing that would have helped sell it i'm is, a literalist jim you know
0: <laughs> I, I need more help in fact you know, the,
1: constantly in the case of dca there were things that they were going to do that would really have helped put the idea across i mean for example one of the things they were going to do just beyond the letters was they were going to do five and six different windsurfing boards with with Banners, and you could literally have stood on them and had your picture taken. And in fact, that's the other thing—to to not to belittle the, the fact that the letters up front were successful. I mean, how many times did you meet friends here? Like, I'll meet you at the O, Yeah. yeah. or you know, or, you know, or, or the number. In fact, there's a whole generation of California children who grew up, you know, having their picture taken. You, know, you know, my daughter Alice, I have pictures of her in front you know, of California, fr- <laughs> you know, front of the A, growing up. Um, a for Alice. There you go. Yeah, and 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 to be fair, those letters have found. A new life. The Disney very graciously donated them to the California State Fairgrounds, and they will be there. <laughs> California
0: State Penitentiary. Well, say. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that would have been funnier.
1: Where are yeah. you locked up? Why yes, I'm in Giant California. <laughs>
0: Meet me over by the F. <laughs> so, so anyway, no. You,
1: it was a giant picture postcard. You were supposed to step in, and uh, the it. mural featured all of these icons from, uh, you know, the, the, the state of California. Sure. You know, it, it was beautiful. But again, you see, the problem was that, you know, it was. It was also, frankly, didn't have a whole lot of detail. I mean, again, this was a park that the Disney really, really, really built on the cheap. I cannot tell you, for example, we're standing at the top of Buena Vista Street, and what a big deal it was to put in sidewalks. Because this park really? originally didn't have sidewalks. Really? They, In fact, they, 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 it didn't have streets. It had performance corridors. All right? You know, and they, what they found is the money they saved by not building curbs, which, of course, means if you're building curbs, you have to have drainage. You have to have places that wheelchairs can get ramps. Down. Yeah, yeah. And by cutting that out of the budget, they, that that was a hundred thousand dollars. And every and, and this is a, a an ongoing hundred thousand
0: dollars though, in a billion dollar investment is a is a rounding error.
1: But you know, again, this is more about delivering as much bang for the buck and and
0: value engineering. They call it these days, Jim. There you go. There you go.
1: Now, you know, take for example, you know, face it, that this was their main street.
0: Okay. So and we're walking. Uh, we're walking now. We're just past the turnstiles. We're walking down the, the straightaway, that heads towards the the hub f- part of the front of the park.
1: And so the notion was this was where you know I mean if for example they had the. the the recreation of the California Zephyr train. In fact, the, the train itself wasn't a recreation. They found literally one of the California Zephyrs sitting in a pond in Boline, Illinois, and they trucked it all the way back to California to restore it. Did,
0: did anyone ask any questions about how the train got in the pond? <laughs> no. the, the train owed somebody some money?
1: But, but the interesting thing is the train, on its trip cross-country from Illinois, it got stopped by the police no less than three times because it was like, what are you doing with the train?
0: <laughs> this looks a little suspicious to us. We have to ask.
1: And it's like we're, we're, we're taking it to California. It's like aren't there tracks to do that?
0: <laughs> so, Perhaps you've heard of the railway system. You know, I, I'm funny that way. So, all right. So, uh, so this original corridor. So it had the. We just walked past the uh, the uh, the old monorail track, which is now just sort of a walkway or a, a bridge. And we're coming up towards the the end of the street. The train, the train was over here to the right, right? Yep. There's the ice cream snacks, right? But directly in front
1: of us, we're coming up to what used to be the Sun Plaza. So this
0: was a giant, like, bronze uh, replica of the sun. It was actually gold titanium.
1: This was the first time anyone so, had Jesus, ever really? built anything. Again, it was the first time anyone had done an art project out of this material.
0: Titanium is really hard to work with.
1: Oh, uh, <laughs> Not only that, but the concept was that it was going to be a glowing sun icon. A glowing sun icon. Yeah, and so what ended up happening was that, well, the sun always has to be on it. So they ended up with six computer-controlled heliostats that would always track the sun and thro- reflect the sun onto it. And really? Well, which kind of frightened the people at Disney because it was like, isn't that like a... Con- Compacted heat vision thing. <laughs> it's,
0: like, it's like swinging a giant, uh, giant uh, magnifying glass around.
1: <laughs> you know, and it's just sort of like, can you promise us the tourists are not going to spontaneously combust? <laughs>
0: was what? Uh, wasn't? Uh, didn't Archimedes use uh, concentrated mirrors to sink, uh, to sink uh, the the Spartan navy? Isn't that the sort of the, the urban legend? Yeah, I'm no, getting no. a little, too, a little no, no,
1: too. No, 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 no. But it, it, again, that, that's. But th- and this was the third <laughs> try, and it. And an icon. There was one version of it where you walked in and literally the plaza here was a giant fountain shaped like California. I mean, set into the ground and it's like, well, you see, that's, a, you know, all great. Right. If I'm fifty I'm 1,500 feet up, hey, that looks great.
0: It looks like California. Otherwise, it looks like some sort of drunk edge. There you go. All right. and what uh, were the other idea? The, the other one?
1: idea was literally the golden spike. Never mind that, of course, happened out in Utah, but, you know, just whatever, like, you know, whatever. A, a giant golden Americans.
0: spike. <laughs> 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 it all happened in California. <laughs> So I mean, they so they ended up with the uh, with the giant sun, and, and the sun was supposed to be the icon for the the front part of the park.
1: Yeah, I, and, and not only that, but you know, for the longest time, the entrance was in the California mission style. I mean, literally from the the turnstiles all the way going forward. And in the end, it was like, look, I, we only have so much money, so right. this is what we do.
0: And you know, so did they start when they when they started spending the money with the uh, with the park? Were they when they start designing a park? When they, they start pricing things out? Did they start with the attractions? And say, okay, we're going to set aside, you know, a billion dollars for attractions. We've got $200 million left over for theming. Or do they start with theming and say attractions, or is it sort of a blend of both? Like, where does the money get spent first?
1: Okay, well, I guess to answer that question, we have to talk about the guy who really drove this park. And his name is Barry Braverman. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm not mentioning Barry's name because to, to, to say he's a bad guy. Because Barry was the guy who fought the good fight. He was the guy who came through the door, you know, after... You know, Because Tony Baxter and his crew had designed the $3 billion Westcott, and both versions, and they just weren't getting built because they were so hidden. $3 billion, right. Yeah, and so it's like, Barry, it's like, look, you have to figure out how to make this park affordable. And Barry had been the guy at Epcot who was the corporate alliance guy. He was the guy who could, you know, for example, Interventions, that was Barry. Barry was the guy who met, went out and met with all of those people and got the money and, you know, got that built. Gary was the guy who found the money, you know, convinced GM test tra- GM to do test track. There, he was the guy who convinced Exxon to come back and do Ellen's Energy Adventure. And you know, whether you like those attractions or not, the fact that at a time when Disney didn't like spending its own money to build things, right?
0: There, he was getting people to, to pop down ten million dollars over ten years or whatever. That's it exactly so. Right. It's a um, smart guy. Okay.
1: So and you know, and this was a park that was going to be, you know, next to Disneyland, and it was going to be a park that had a giant hotel next to it. And a twenty acre shopping district. And and so the theme park was almost always the afterthought. And so here's Barry trying to find money left and right. And so, you know, for example, when it comes to something like, you know, a sword over California, mm-hmm. that, you know, he knew that in order to sell that idea that, you know, that, that you're flying over California, you needed to be in a place where people flew. So he pushed the idea of, you know, the history, the aerospace history of California. That, you know, we're gonna, you know, celebrate that. And you know, finding the money to do the rock work, finding the money to create Condor Flats. I mean, he he beat the bushes. He got he found it. Um, so
0: we're actually uh, walking from the end of the uh, sort of the entrance area. We just made a quick right, and we're standing right at the entrance to to the Condor Flats area. In fact, we're standing right in front of Taste Pilots uh, girl right now, and that's a play, of course, on the word uh, test pilot. Mm-hmm.
1: And, but you know, but that then came at a cost because he decided we had to tell that story and you had to have you had to
0: tell the story of California aviation Okay.
1: so you then went from a, um, a flying over, uh, soaring over California complex that had three theaters
0: mm-hmm. to two
1: and that's one of the reasons why this never had the capacity to, in fact that, that I remember talking with Marty Scalera on opening day of this thing and he said if you had to do it over again what would you do it's like oh, I would to build that third theater you know, um, so the,
0: the the savings that they got off not making the third theater went into the Condor area? because it's a relatively small area. I mean, you can see the end of it. You know, you know standing at the entrance, you can see how it sort of curves over um, just past uh, uh, just past the, uh, the snack, snack center right there and turns into the Grizzly area. Oh, absolutely!
1: But at the same time, when you look, for example, the plant work here that, that sells that you're you know you're out in the you know, the, the Mojave you know oh, the, cactus yeah and you know coupled with the fact that you don't just build. A restaurant. You build a restaurant that looks like a hangar. Right. Um, you know that there's a lot. of you not know, face it. Building stuff that doesn't look all that impressive sometimes costs a lot of money.
0: Yeah. So. If they, they could have done just a giant square hangar, but no, it's it's actually a curved hangar. I'll I'll give them credit for doing that.
1: And and the other thing, frankly, the uh, the one the one thing, and I, in fact, you know, I remember talking with Barry about this. The one thing he missed is that there was supposed to be the most amazing pre-show for. Uh, Sorry? For uh, for Soren. Really? Well, in fact, we're walking up to the entrance now. All right. And you notice how you go down. You have to go walk down that walkway that takes you down so you can go left or go right to the two different theater buildings. Right. Okay. If you'll notice, if you look up, there's this giant empty ceiling space. All oh, right, right. right yeah. You know, going down. And the idea was that as you're standing in line there... The world's greatest air show was supposed to happen directly over your head. It was oh. it was gonna start with the Wright brothers, literally, that they were gonna project the you know, the, 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 the you know, from Kitty Hawk, the little flimsy glider, and take you I mean the spruce goose was gonna fly overhead every Disney t- owns that, they can do it. <laughs> No, it was going to be amazing, and and, and, with, and it was it was part of the original. It was there in the specs. And so it's a
0: film projection under the ceiling? Film projection. Really clever idea.
1: I mean, yeah, and, and, and again, it's something they could circle back on. <laughs> yeah, there's no reason why they can't do that, actually. Well, you know, the, but the problem with that is that, you know, it's, if, if the rumors are true, the soaring over fantasy film that is supposed to be being built for Shanghai that will then get walked out to Epcot and here... Is you know moving, you know, making its way through the system, huh? And you know,
0: so, so will they, um, will the if they do a soaring over fantasy, would they have to retheme this area or would it just be a sort of like a Captain EO thing limited run?
1: Um, I, you know, I well, there's honestly nothing limited about it, it would be here forever, you know. I mean, oh, that, really? well, that's the thing of soaring, soaring's impressive, but face it, you know, that that you know, um, you know. It, The redo of this park has all been about taking a quasi-realistic version of California and changing it into fantasy. So, you know, stepping away from looking at the real California to soaring over Agrabah, um, that's what what they're going to do. But um, I don't know, just, just, and and it makes me feel bad because there was so much work that went into creating Soaring. I mean, I got talking with the cameraman who was, for example, just talking about, the Yosemite sequence? Yeah. And it's like, you're going to understand that the rock climbers, we were out there the day before putting the little pinions in so they could hang, and it had taken us six months to get the permissions to shoot there. Oh, yeah. And and then in order to get the shot, so the guys who were climbing the mountain, when you're looking at them, they've been hanging there for six hours because it <laughs> took us
0: that long to set up the shot and get the light just right. Just the one, the one sort of passed through and sort of uh, oh. turned to the right. Yeah, and it's six hours. Six hours. It's hysterical, and
1: it's just just hang.
0: You're, you're okay with hanging out, right? Yeah, you're, you're not going anywhere, right? Like okay, I have don't, a choice. Don't, don't don't do anything. All right, don't. so we're, uh, we're we've walked through sort of the uh, the Condor Flats area. Has that has that changed much since the uh, the? Entrance? That looks like it's pretty much the same.
1: Well, I mean, you know, that they again, you, you had pointed out when we we're walking through. They they pulled out the
0: oh the X one the Bell X one yep. uh, icon that was on. The t- I mean, uh, again, they,
1: belt. you know, face it. They had to create this space where now, yeah. for example. You know, Aviator Mini could could meet kids, so it's like you had to step away from realistic to, you know, make this more of a fantasy element. So yeah. there's, there's more greenery, there's, there's, it's less industrial, but it is what it is, right. so. And the monorail, the monorail goes through it still or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it continues straight from here into the, you know, through the Grand Californian. Huh. Uh, but of course, these are the cars monorails with the faces on them. Oh, right. So, right. you know. Well, anyway, we're now at the edge of the Grizzly Peak Recreation Area, and This, you know, what I love about this is that this is them doing all of California's national parks in six acres.
0: (laughs) you got a minute and a half.
1: Yeah, I mean, no, that's exactly just the fact that they were actually able to pull this off. Now, again, we, we, we had talked previously about a lot of what DCA is, is ideas plucked out of parks that didn't work before. I mean, for example, the whitewater raft thing here. You might think it's Cali River Rapids. It's like, no, this is actually from Disney's America. The, the The park was going to be built in Virginia. This is modeled after the Lewis and Clark River Adventure. Oh,
0: Lewis and Clark, really? I, yep. I hadn't heard about this before.
1: Yeah, the, 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 there was a part, section of the park that was going to celebrate Native Americans. And, of course, you can't tell the story of Native Americans without white men screwing up and showing, you know, it's ruining everything. <laughs> so, you know, this was, the, you know, celebrating Lewis and Clark's arrival in the, the West, you know, with a whitewater raft ride. So anyway, they did, you know, they realized they wanted to do this, and it was just a question of, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? And so Chris Runco, the Imagineer of project, actually went out and went whitewater rafting. He uh, took a trip on the American River, which it's chi- tied to California history, is that as you're going on that whitewater raft trip, you actually go by uh, Sutter Mill. Uh, oh, really? Uh, yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. 1849, the gold strike there. So, so then it became a question of, okay, so... And, and at this time, they're also frantically looking for an icon for the park. And somebody, it's like, well, you know, California, grizzlies. Could we do, let's say, a mountain shaped like a bear? And when you're doing a flume ride, you know, again, that—that's people look at this and like, wow, look at the greenery and that sort of thing. You are looking at a pretty elaborate show building here. Yeah. Um, There's a
0: lot of water running around.
1: Well, it's it's so funny you say that. This is this five times the amount of water running through this at any one time than Splash Mountain. Really? All right, right. one hundred and thirty thousand gallons being pumped through every minute.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll- so we're looking uh, we're at the very edge of, of Grizzly River area, and straight ahead of us is the peak that's uh, shaped like a bear. But pretty much everywhere we look from the from the front, all the way over to our right, is nothing but not only water but gushing running water okay. coming down the big drop spilling over the rock work, shooting up in geysers. I mean, you guys can hear it in the background, I'm sure.
1: But the, the mountain itself, I mean, the, again, these are all, as impressive as it is, I mean, for example, you, you mentioned the head. That's 16 different cages that were interlocked wow. together and then, you know, sprayed with rock work and painted. I mean, even the faux snow there is a different coat of paint, a different texture. The mountain itself is over 300 of these cages that interlocked Wow. on top of, whether it's the pipes for cold water, whether it's the, you know, the electric conduit, the speakers, the infrared cameras. I mean, there's so much. You know, and again, but you look at this and you don't think building. No,
0: it looks like, it's like ground.
1: Yep, yep. I mean, though, that's said, When they were digging out the the lagoon space here, it's like, well, what do we do with all this dirt? It's like, well, coincidentally, we're building a
0: mountain over here. So, That's <laughs> oh, so the lagoon around uh, that uh, Paradise Pier itself was around. Yeah. Yeah, so you wouldn't think of uh, the Grizzly River attraction as a a giant building, but it is. It's also very pretty. I love the the steam and smoke effects coming out of it.
1: So (laughs) that's another kind of interesting part of the story that there were, I think it was, Marty Scalera wrote it, said it's perfect. Paul Pressler wrote it, and the then president of Disneyland said it was too wet. Marty came back and said, all right, we've got to tweak it a little bit because nobody's getting wet. So, but
0: too wet and not wet enough.
1: That's, that's it exactly. It's Just you know that that sense of I'm going on a water ride. I want to get a little wet. Yeah. More to the point, they can in fact dial this down.
0: Really? How? Yeah.
1: Well, I you
0: know that they're where? Where in the attraction would they uh, dial it up?
1: Well, that, that that's the thing. This the um, in fact the outside edge of this. And you you remember, again tying in with the whole gold prospecting thing, um, the idea is that this uh, the Russian River. Uh, whitewater raft group they found this old abandoned gold mine okay And so they've retrofitted all of these buildings and it's actually the control building here just at the edge the sort of tall thing that's next to the 300 foot long load that takes you up to the you know the 85 foot point where you, you begin you know your drop down and travel down through the river right actually that, that's another kind of funny part of the story. Mark Summer, the Imagineer who was in charge of this. See, there's our control building. Oh, that's control-
0: oh right there, the uh, sort of the mustard-colored yep. building. Oh, yeah, yeah, So we've got a bunch of uh, bunch of that are spinning right past us.
1: All right, so, you know, Mark has worked really hard to create this thing that operates smoothly and, you know. And so he comes into work one day and he's walking up to the work site and he hears this god-awful clattering, like something is breaking and being shredded. And he just runs to it. And it's like, what's going on? What's happening? It's like it's all running smoothly. And it's like, oh, those bastards! It's the the Avengers had created the soundtrack for the you know the 200 year old gold mining operation, <laughs> and they're playing it. Yeah, it was just <laughs> one of the things. Where, you know, clearly, this is elderly machinery. It's going to operate poorly. And so, <laughs> but yeah. gave Mark a heart attack. What's breaking? Nothing's breaking. It's, it's just soundtrack. That's the soundtrack. That's so great. But anyway, I mean, you. So you've got, but. Actually, one of my little favorite touches of this is that you've got upwards of 150,000, uh, 130 gallons of water going through this every minute. So you need 2 million gallons of water to run this thing. Wow. Um, so where do you store it? I mean, particularly, you to know, face it, at the end of the night, you have to take all the water out of this thing and walk the track to make sure that, you know, people have dropped hats, watches, They whatever. drain the water from this thing every they night? They drain the water from They drain me. the water from this every night. And what's really cool about it is it goes across the way here to if you've ever been over the Pacific Wharf area, uh-huh. the little tidal pool thing. Oh yeah, yeah, on the on the one side. On the one side. That's where the water. That's where pool. it goes. So, but what's killer about it is they painted that area. So when the water's out of it, that tidal pool is at low tide. If you're ever <laughs> in the park when this is shut down, it's the water, all the water sitting over there. That's high tide.
0: That's funny. So,
1: but again, Disney is always looking for even in this park was looking for ways to tell stories. So, how long does it take to drain that? Uh, I want to say a half hour. That's it. Yeah, well, then, again, face it, you've got you know, we've oh. got pumps that could do 130, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. A yeah. minute, yeah,
0: it's true. You're doing so, 20 minutes.
1: Anyway, now coming up on the other component of our national park celebration for this park, Redwood Creek,
0: uh, the uh, the Redwood Creek Challenge, the uh, this is the kids play area.
1: Yep, and and
0: and clearly there are happy children here today.
1: No, what, what's kind of intriguing about this is, face it, we are within feet of the Grand Californian Hotel. We are. Can you see it? Yeah.
0: No, you can't see it. You can, uh, no, you can't even see it. That's amazing, because of all the uh, the landscaping they've done. We're we're standing right in front of the uh, the Redwood Creek Challenge. You really can't see anything about the uh, the hotel.
1: Mm-hmm. And. But, you know, but again, this Disney being Disney, um, what kind of bit them in the butt here is they opened it up. It's, you know, a two acre, you know, two acre play area, two acre play area that people just breezed by because they had done such a nice job of
0: landscaping. it, And so, yeah, you can't really tell how, how big it is back there.
1: So what they ended up doing is that, you know, park opens in 2000. Uh, one by the fall of 2003, they were already trying to shoehorn characters in there. Oh jeez. So you know you had Coda and Kane from Brother Bear were we'll put in there for a while and did a show. Right now, this part of the park actually celebrates—I uh, want to say—Russell and Doug the Dog from <laughs> up. uh, from Up—and you know gets them in here. Uh, but again, this is this is what trying to fix this park was all about. The, one of the main complaints about it is, well, where are the characters? Where? You know, I, I can go to Disneyland and I can see characters left and right. Where are the characters in this park? Right. You know, and in fact, what's kind of interesting is there is, there's been some discussion because, again, this is a park that really does need more attractions. And, you know, one of the more popular attractions in Disneyland history was Mine Train from Nature's Wonderland. And, you know, face it, when you go on Grizzly River Rapids and, you know, the name says, I am going to see bears. And, you know, you see a giant rock bear. In fact, that's that's the other thing I think that, that the one thing that the, that ride actually does well. In fact, if you end up on the, the load hill going up and you're facing, you know, you're you're in the the bottommost position in the ramp. Right. There's this really cool thing that happens that if, if you know, if, if you get to see, watch out for it. Basically, as you chuck up the hill, you get to see the Santa Ana's, the mountains that are just beyond Disneyland rise up in the background. No neat. And, but you, you know, you also get to see, you know, that's in the background. In the foreground, is the, is the Bear Mountain itself. And at the very last moment, like the last ten seconds, the Matterhorn comes up in the middle. Oh, and really? So you get these, this, you know, <coughs> two faux mountains and yeah, one real mountain mountains. range. And then they drop you right into Bear Claw Falls, and from there on, you're soaked. That's clever. But that was a deliberate design choice. They, they, they you know, they used the cave technology to, hey, we can do something cool here. So uh, that's that's why it's positioned the way it is. Oh, should we keep walking through? Yeah. But anyway, one of the things that they've been talking about is adding, you know, animatronic uh, animals, much in the style of the old mi- mi- uh, mine train through Nature's Wonderland along the track here, but figuring that, well, you know, we really should go for the twofer if we're going to do something like that. Okay. And what they're actually talking about doing is creating a train, you know, much in the style of the old mine train. You know that would loop through this area, you know, open car uh, that would roll you by the show scenes and add a get another kinetic to sort of this national park thing. Huh. All right, so down. now
0: now we're walking up towards uh, towards the Paradise Pier area. So we're leaving the Grizzly River, and it looks like there's a uh, Phineas and Ferb uh, uh, show going on. I love Phineas and Ferb, but man, this thing is loud.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> actually, another little fun note here is that we're walking up. The this was going to be their area celebrating San Francisco. We were going to fill all of these shop spaces with artisans.
0: Oh, really? So, uh, yeah. So, to our to our left is, I guess, bathrooms and then empty storefronts. To our right is the building for Little Mermaid. And this used to be before it was Little Mermaid. It was it Golden was, Dreams, right? Yeah, yeah. What were they going for there?
1: Oh uh, well. <laughs> okay. Um, again, this was a park celebrating California, and so. You had to have you know something that talked about California history, and the the idea was this twenty-two minute long film that um, that five hundred years of California history, and you know you ended up with Whoopi Goldberg as Calafia, the, the the spirit of California, and Cali- Cala Calafia,
0: Calafia, Calafia, the spirit of California. Yes.
1: Evidently, Disney found a, a book that had been written about, you know, the mythical island of California, and this was the queen who ruled it. And Disney just grabbed that idea and ran with it, and just, you know, okay. built the show.
0: And it, it, it was interesting. It was like. Uh, by interesting, you mean in the public domain, right?
1: Well, okay. I mean, it's, I, I don't know. It was it's a film written by Tom Fitzgerald that that you know showed how Califia was there at crucial moments in California history, whether it was. When Louis B. Mayer decided whether or not the shoes in The Wizard of Oz would be silver or ruby red, you know, or you know, helping Steve Wozniak and and, you know, or you know, Jobs, you know, carry their first prototype of the Apple in, Um, you know, I mean, it just it was a it was a cute film, but the problem was it was a film, you know, and and for it to be just up the street, for example, from the Season of the Vine film that celebrated the, you know, um, you know how we make grapes. You know, it, just, it was probably not what the park needed. But, you know, again... Was it, was it
0: a high-capacity attraction?
1: it They were... I want to say it was a 500, 525-seat theater. Right, so uh, they getting through,
0: like, maybe 1,300 people an hour or something like that.
1: But, but this was the thing. This was a park that was built to supposedly do 7 million people per year. And they never saw that. I mean, in fact, there were days, you know, in, in 2001 when this thing was open when they barely saw... Forty-five hundred guests a day. Wow! Yeah, standing here, that that's we're, we're looking out at. Um, again, I want to make sure I get this right because they're calling it the Boardwalk Paradise Pier. Paradise Pier. Okay. Ladies um, and gentlemen, boys and girls,
0: <laughs> our next presentation of instant concert, just add water, will begin in fifteen minutes.
1: We have encourage you, you go. to okay.
0: drop everything. <laughs> I wish this park was a little and louder, Jim.
1: The <laughs> <yet determined> <laughs> right. let's, let's go up there.
0: All right, let's, uh, let's continue on. Uh, we're going we're to keep doing our uh, yeah, counterclockwise. Instant Seriously. <laughs> you guys that are hearing this in the background, imagine how it is with headphones on. That's what I'm going through right now. All right. 37 seconds. 36 seconds. Alright, so we're walking down. We've uh, we've passed the area that was the the uh, Golden Dreams. I you know they could have used the uh, the uh, American Adventure soundtrack too. They, instead of uh, America, spread your golden wings. California! Well, Show your
1: golden it, dreams! That's actually the one thing that survived from this attraction. The uh, Just One Dream, uh, the song that, that ended, the, um, ended the film. It was actually sung by Heather Headley, the Woman who played Nala on Broadway, and it's I, you know it's weird where it will pop up now. It's now this sort of pop anthem about hope and overcoming, you know, hostility and all that.
0: Um, really? Hey, by the way, did you know that Illuminations is played uh, by U.S. Border Control when you come into the United States?
1: <laughs> That'd be enough for me to go back. <laughs> so.
0: All right, so we're walking through now. Uh, we're walking by the uh, the Golden Zephyr. This is um. It's funny. I was in uh, Blackpool in England. And uh, they had a version of this, and the thing's like a hundred years old. It's a, uh, for those of you that uh, haven't seen it before, it's uh, long metal tubes uh, attached uh, by chains to a really, really tall central axis, and the axis spins and the uh, the metal tubes that people are sitting in kind of like splay out and go up, and it's uh, the idea is that you're sort of like astro-orbiters, but, uh, but on chains instead of uh, rods.
1: But do you notice what's interesting about this attraction?
0: Uh, no one's on it right now, it's the middle of the day. There we go. <laughs> uh, they, they... Oh, because the wind is blowing. That's
1: right. And in fact, that's that's been the operational issue with this attraction since day one. That, you know, you get the lightest possible breeze and this can't operate.
0: Yeah, so it's, I mean, you can feel the breeze. It's got to be a few miles an hour, but it's, I would hardly call it a gale or even a gust. No, no, not at all. Not at all. But again,
1: this is what they found out the hard way
0: with a lot of stuff
1: that had been designed for this part. Actually, we're coming up on Corndog Palace, which was... Yeah.
0: Corn dog palace.
1: You know, I, I, in fact, one of the things I, I again to give you some idea of how silly Disney gets at some point, They had the original sign. Sadly, it's been since repainted. But for Corn Dog Palace, it was the king of corn dogs holding up a corn dog.
0: Yes, I remember.
1: Okay, but the first version, you know, literally as the park opened, was the corn dog king holding up a corn dog that had a bite out of it, and. Disney suddenly had people in guest relations like that's cannibalism.
0: <laughs> it's the corn dog. Because oh, the corn dog Lord. king had taken a bite it's out like of the corn dog. Like a cow eating a hamburger, right?
1: Well, there you go. And it was like so literally, some poor sign painter had to go up and paint a whole corn dog there, you know, just to make it so the the so ridiculous that, guest so comments.
0: That, so that uh, uh, cartoon cannibalism didn't exist in the park. Yeah. How about that? All right, so we're now we're coming up on um, on the attraction that was once. Mulholland Madness. Mulholland Madness. And the idea here was that you were in a car driving through, like, the... Oh, the, uh... well,
1: literally, the Mulholland Drive, the famous twisty, turny road, you know, up in the, in the hills of Los Angeles overlooking Hollywood. In fact, the one thing that, that was kind of the claim to fame or uh, the Disney inside joke of, of this attraction is they actually painted Marty Scalar's house. Did they you really? know, it was part on the map there. In fact, you could identify it because it was the one thing... On the map that had a Mickey Mouse shaped pool in it. So. Oh, funny. But again, I mean, this. The the complaint there was that it always didn't have enough theming. And in fact, you know. So
0: it's a. For those of us, for those those of you listeners who haven't been here yet, it's an exposed steel beam coaster reminiscent very much of well, kind of a uh, wild
1: mouse isn't it it's or a wild
0: mouse right so it's um it's primeval world mm-hmm. at the animal kingdom there we go. but painted blue mm-hmm. with slightly different uh, ride vehicles
1: yeah i mean previously the, the the earlier theming here was that you were basically busting through you know highway maps and again you know it, it, for basically taking an off-the-shelf attraction now let's be blunt here that's what it was it was right you know, and adding what, some
0: two-dimensional uh, props to it.
1: You know, I mean, it, it, it worked, but you see, that was part of the problem. That you know, could that have worked as a really real ride? Maybe, but this, you know, this was poor Barry Braverman trying to figure out how, out of you know, the 1.4 billion dollars that have been set aside to build this resort. And remember, we have to build a hotel, we have to build you know a parking structure, we have to build Downtown Disney. So there's not a whole lot of money to make this this theme park. Right.
0: Yeah, there's not a lot of theming you can do. or uh, There's not a lot of custom design that you can do. And you did what you
1: could. And and at the same time, you found money where you could. I mean, for example, uh, you may remember the um, the restaurant that used to be here, Burger Invasion, sponsored right. by McDonald's. Right. Uh, or Pizza Uma Mau, you know, just celebrating the, the surfer culture where you go get a slice before go, you know, grabbing a wave. It was all colorful but cheap looking. Yeah. You know, and.
0: So the same thing, too, with in t- terms of uh, off the shelf uh, attractions. You've got the Jumpin' Jellyfish attraction, which uh, is consists of little uh, p- parachute like jellyfish that get pulled up, I would say, about uh, 30 feet and then slowly drop back down. It's a kids' ride, but again, it's, it's off see the shelf. You see this? And
1: that's that was the reason that got dropped in there. One of the things they realized immediately there was so little here for small children, they had to do something. And. You know, even even when they tried to <coughs> to do something reasonably clever, like for example, the orange stinger, the you know, right. you know, again California, California
0: oranges. So what? there was this uh, there was this giant orange ball, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a uh, it was a swinging, it was a sort of a rotating swing attraction, right?
1: Yep. But you see, the thing that would have made it work for so many people, that the original seats for this thing were B shaped. I mean, literally, uh, you had a giant rounded B butt. And so, in fact, they figured they would be able to, you know, to recover their operating costs from this alone from image capture of people who wanted their picture flying through the air with a giant bee butt. Uh, but again, you know, then it suddenly, well, how much is it going to cost to make the bee butts? And where do we go, you know, to get this stuff? In fact, that, that's the other thing about this park is that, you know, so many of the ride systems, that's the thing six different countries around the world. You know.
0: Manufactured the ride system. Yeah, oh. I mean.
1: And, and, again, that's what things off-the-shelf, like, for example, the Malibu Mer, which, we, you know, we're walking by the the now-empty pad for that. You know, that was, again, the idea of what made this, you know, the Pacific Wharf area thrilling.
0: And what was the Malibu Mer?
1: Well, it, it was it was literally, you've seen it in every other theme park on the planet. You, you get in and it rockets you 150, or excuse me, 180 feet in the air. It was the tallest structure in the park. Incredibly low capacity, I think, 12 guests at a time.
0: Oh yeah, you know, those things are like a couple hundred an hour so, tops. The uh, Doctor Doom's uh, Fearfall over at Universal. There uh, yeah. inn right there. By the way, the uh, the roar that you can you can hear right now is, uh, is California screaming, which we'll get to in a minute. But uh, now we're coming up on the uh, the area of the park where it's sort of like the carnival theme. We've got uh, Mickey's Fun Wheel to our left. We've got shopping to our to our right.
1: Okay. Now, I, I, I... now the shopping area wasn't always here. Well, I, you know that they always did have some retail, but I wanted to point out here on the sideshow shirts. Uh, does the gentleman in the lower right-hand corner look familiar to you? Oh, <laughs> uh, so
0: in the uh, so we're looking at the uh, the the very rightmost store sign over in the uh, the Toy Story Midway area. The rightmost guy looks like Walt, right?
1: Yes, and that is deliberate. That's the sign painter making a comment about what Walt Disney's face would be like if he saw the original version of the <laughs> Really? Oh yeah. Cool. Well, not in fact. Uh, it's worth bringing up at this point um, the Sunwheel. you got to understand that um, when they first, when they are building this park, they wanted input from Veterans Imagineers. Okay. And so what they ended up doing was they brought in Alice Davis and Ward Kimball one afternoon and, you know, wine them, dine them, you know, and then brought them into the model shop and showed them the model for Disney's California Adventure. And it's like, well, what do you think? And Alice, who, you know, still with us, lovely woman, she's, she's nothing but blunt. And it, 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 it immediately it's like, well, Walt hated Ferris wheels. And it's like, really? It's like, Oh, yeah, we had to fight him just to get the one in in the end of Alice in Wonderland or excuse me uh, Small World that you know that, that one that she at the end of the attraction yeah, yeah. and you know and Ward was even worse and he looked at it like oh my god what have you done well he just looked at it like this looks like Six Flags over Knott's Berry
0: Farm
1: you know and you know he just he hated it and he told them flat out that so um, but the Sun Wheel was always part of the park always had to be there um, so,
0: so when they took the input and said, thank you very much, I uh, hope you enjoyed your lunch?
1: Well, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, at that point, you're committed, and you can't... You know, if anything, the argument in-house is like, well, they're old, and they're out of touch.
0: All oh, right. right, okay.
1: You know, they're not veterans and actually know how these things are built. So.
0: Huh. All right, so we're walking up now past... Uh, uh, we're coming up on, on California Screamin'. Was there anything here before uh, uh, Toy Story Mania? Well, I mean, you had um, a continuation of the gaming area.
1: In fact, uh, that was the other thing. This is the first time Disney had really done that sort of naked cash grab gaming. Oh, right. And, you know, just really didn't sit well with a lot of people. Anyway, uh, coming up here...
0: We've got uh, King Triton's Carousel.
1: Yeah, this is... Um, 56 beautifully detailed hand carved animals. But again, a weird kind of disconnect. You know, King Triton's Carousel doesn't play any music from The Little Mermaid. Really? It's all Beach Boys music.
0: Uh, that's a little unusual. It is a little unusual. And it's between California Screaming and Toy Story Mania, so thematically it doesn't really.
1: And there's no
0: continuity there.
1: What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Huh. Uh, meanwhile, the California Screaming. And- and- 6,000 foot long uh, roller coaster modeled after classic woody coasters. Yes. There isn't any wood at all. This is all oh, yeah, all steel. Um, and in fact, every decision on this project was made, you know, about let's make sure this lasts as long as possible. Here, for example, the, the, the lights for this yeah. are all LED.
0: Really? Every single one. Even from back in the day. Yeah. Wow. So,
1: and, you know, the, the idea was that it had a 23 year shelf life and you know that that was going to make it you know this is a good decision because we're going to be here forever i mean you know of course the irony is when they used the gold titanium to build the the sun uh icon in front of the park yeah they were told it would last 500 years okay didn't make it 10. really so, yeah so what happened Just well they pulled it down to build the new
0: entrance oh, so, it, didn't, oh it didn't last because of the uh the material it was because of the the design changed
1: so somewhere there's there's a pile of gold titanium. that's going to be here for another four hundred ninety nine
0: years. Wow. So all right, we're walking past a California Screaming now. We're uh, uh, sort of in the the far left corner of the park. Um, past, past all the signs. Oh, let's go. We're uh, we're going to go look at the uh, at the lagoon here real quick. Lagoon. Three
1: hundred and sixty linear induction engines that will you know shortly power these porcelain. oh we're watching
0: people uh, take off on California screaming here they're, uh, they're at a dead oh. stop getting ready to go into the launch hill
1: but the other thing that's kind of fun is that again when they were doing the redo of this part of the park to try to give this any you know, try to make it special yep.
0: Oh, watch three, people listen two, one.
1: recognize the voice no I didn't Neil Patrick Harris was it really? Yep. Love him. Well, he's and he more to the point, he loves the Disney theme parks. So, oh,
0: yeah, totally it is. Yeah. <laughs> when
1: they came to him and said, "I don't care what it is, I'll do it." <laughs> so, but That's anyway, awesome. all right, coming up here, uh, one of the real tragedies of the park. Um, this restaurant here, just off to the left, Avalon Cove.
0: Right. It's where they do a Little Mermaid now, right? Yep.
1: But back in the day, I mean, this was literally, I and mean, you get inside this thing, there are six 11-foot tall glass dolphin statues. There are in, in light tables. This was, in fact, um, Wolfgang Puck's second wife designed this. Really? Which is, I think, why Wolfgang now has a third wife. Wow. Um, blew through so much money, nobody went, I mean, again, open February 8th. By October 1st, it was closed. Wolfgang had left very, very bad blood between Disney. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, the stories about the people who went in afterwards and started doing the um, the Little Mermaid-themed redo. Right. And the fact that the work kitchen had been destroyed deliberately.
0: Really? I um, mean,
1: you know, just they had... As they were walking out the door, I guess... They, they threw, were walking out
0: the door with axes?
1: Well, they threw things like in the deep fryer and just walked out the door. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, people went in there ten, week, 10 days later and it's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> so
0: That's great. All right, so we're walking back down Paradise Pier. We're going to... looks like we're going to make a, a right and uh, head over into Pacific again, Wharf. The tidal pool thing we were talking oh, about. Oh, this is right? the tidal pool. Oh, so this is it. So this will go up. Oh, you can even see the... Uh, you can see the high water marks on the piers.
1: That's it, exactly.
0: Oh, that's clever. Huh. How about that? So, we're walking down now, we're walking back down the pier towards uh, the old um, um, Golden State uh, building. We've got Paradise Pier on our right. Jim is motioning me towards a large obelisk type icon.
1: Well, actually, we're headed up toward the Golden Vinery. Uh,
0: Golden. Oh, we're going to. Oh, we're going to skip uh, um, Pacific Wharf. We're going to go to the winery. Fair enough. I could use a drink.
1: Okay. Uh, and again, another one of these these things where this was supposed to be what set this park apart from Disneyland. You were going to have superb dining, and so you know the Robert Mondavi, uh Wine Company came in. They were they weren't a sponsor, you know, just a sponsor. They thought of themselves as a partner. On DCA and they
0: built this elaborate. Uh, the Tretoria restaurant. Oh. It's pretty nice actually. And again, outdoor dining.
1: Again, same thing. Within, by October of this year, uh, you know, uh, 2001, they had backed away. Now, to be fair, oh, you, did? you know, let, let's, let's think about what September. Oh, of yeah, 2000, September of 2001 was not good. Yeah. So, You know, it went from a troubled theme park to a theme park that nobody was in. Right. And it's like, I need to get away from
0: this. Yeah, I mean, after after 9-11, you know, the the travel had pretty much stopped in the United States for at least a couple months.
1: And so it's like, all right, I'm out. I don't want to do this anymore. And they're gone. And, you know, Disney had to take it over and figure out how to make it work. And, in fact, that's what's kind of interesting is this is one of the few places on the planet, except for, of course, going up to wine country, where you can get Lasseter wines. Really? Yep. John, you know, in fact... It's worth it just to look, you know, to ask for a bottle and look at the label because it's, you know, it's very, very low-key except when you notice that it's got the B from the very first animated, computer animated film that John did, the, you know, Andre and Wally B.
0: So um, we're walking, so we've got the, uh, we've got the Trattoria on our left. We're walking towards um, Bugs Land is coming up on our right.
1: This was actually bug's land one of the very first things that was added to this park with the hope of you know making it more kid-friendly
0: um uh, oh, so bug's land wasn't there originally no no not at all what uh, what made them desi- decide to uh to add it <laughs> well the
1: fact that you know parents were leaving within three hours um and in fact you know what's amazing about this is that it's only an acre and a third you know in size really and you know, but they managed to cram six different attractions in there.
0: Six different small attractions. Just
1: very small attractions. Um, but, um, but yeah, it just... I don't know. I, they were in so much trouble at that point, they had to do something.
0: So so uh, so we're, we're entering a zone right now. So they've got, in terms of attractions, Jim, they've got... Um, it's Tough to Be a Bug, which is a direct copy from um, Animal Kingdom, right? And then they've got... I mean, really, midway-style rides, right? There's nothing in there.
1: Again, we're talking about all sorts of off-the-shelf stuff. Again, you know, everything that they, you know... And again, it was sort of the template for this park. What are we going to do to try to save ourselves? And it's like, let's go to IAPA. Let's go to the Attractions (laughs) Expo. And pick some stuff off the floor and see what we can retheme. So, um... But... You know, and... I don't know. It's just... It's so strange because... um, you know, it was such an afterthought, because you think about you had, it's tough to be a bug. Right. And they were like, oh, wait a minute, we, we do have one little expansion pad that we can throw this stuff into, and it's right next to it. It's like, okay, let go. And But if you look back over the 10-year history of this park, um, it's fascinating the number of times that when they got themselves in trouble that they turned to Pixar. You know, they did <laughs> yeah. not turn to Disney, whether it was Toy Story Mania or, you know, Monsters, Inc., Mike and Sully to the rescue.
0: Yeah. They, they went with what was hot at the moment.
1: No, that's it exactly. And it just, they, you know, Disney was in such a tough spot. In fact, it was honestly this park that sort of drove, you know, Disney's decision about, you know, we better just get serious about acquiring Pixar. Yeah,
0: because you think at some point between the, uh, the money that they're paying to distribute the films, mm-hmm. plus the licensing rights for the characters for merch, plus what they were licensing... Uh, to doing the theme parks, at some point they're like, well, you know, over 10 or 20 years, it's probably easier to just buy the company now.
1: No, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but, you know, but at the same time, it was sort of like when they, they saw themselves in trouble, it was just, it was amazing how they would just go through the inventory and what's popular. I mean, it's, you know, think about this. What's looming up over a Bug's Land?
0: But, uh, Tower of Terror.
1: Yeah, that's it, exactly. And it was just, but again... Never in the design plan for this park. Never. Really? Yeah. Um, when did uh, when, so Tower was also not a uh, an original attraction. No, no. Tower came in. I want to say two thousand four, two thousand five. You know, it was in place in time for Disneyland's fiftieth anniversary. But um, but no, they are just they were in such a tough spot with this park because nobody wanted to go. Huh. You know. I mean. You know. The early days of DCA are famous for the fact that that this was the park where if you bought one adult admission, they'd give you a child's ticket for free. Wow. Yeah, and and think about it. Disney giving away a child's ticket for free. Um, you know, just kind of stunning. But again, I mean, if you look at these, yes, they do have theming, but not a whole lot of theming.
0: No, I mean, sort of the minimum that they could get away with. Uh, the, so the, it's not that there's not theming. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that, that most people don't like about the off-the-shelf rides, there's no Disney engineering on them. It's like, okay, well, great, it's an off-the-shelf ride. What makes it special? Well, you know, a paint job is not going to make it special. No,
1: no. And, and, but this even continues to um, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. They had to get this in so quickly that they actually dropped the one part of the ride that kind of made it special, where you transition from...
0: Uh, the elevator that goes uh, horizontally as yes. well as vertically.
1: You know, I mean... That's not in this version of the ride.
0: Sure, it's not. It's also not in Paris.
1: Yeah, but but same thing. That was a park that, <coughs> same thing, had financial issues, was underfunded, and it's like this needs to go in as quickly as possible. Uh, so.
0: uh, we're coming up now on the uh, on the uh, uh, Hollywood Tower Hotel. It's to our right. We've got the Fast Mess Machines to our, to our left. This is where you sort of, when you're transitioning over from Bug's Land, you start to pick up sort of the theming elements in the park that will eventually make it back to the... To the Main Street, it's you've got uh, sort of a, 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 a brick pathway with a trolley path. You've got the, um, the, the 1930s California sort of look to it, um, and you're going to transition into the Hollywood Backlot area. So I think this is where tra- transitioning from the Bugs Land into here is where it starts to transition back to the, the front of the park as well.
1: But you know, and, but again, let's stress here that this is all added after the fact. I That's mean, true. for example, coming up here, uh, Hyperion Theater. Again, uh, Barry had to do whatever he could to make this affordable. So think about it. You know, yes, you're looking at ten-year-old trees here. So this finally is some shade. But when this, oh, yeah,
0: I remember it coming here when it first opened. It was brutal absolutely. in the sun, absolutely. But it just
1: again, it, they needed the theater, and so what are you going to do? You built what you could with the money, and Barry figured. I'm gonna spend the money and build the best possible theater, and it's
0: an amazing theater. It's, a- it's an amazing theater on the inside. The outside looks like a giant box.
1: Well, in fact, that's it's. It's funny you say that, because-
0: on the inside, though, it's gorgeous. Well, well, not gorgeous, but it's really nice. But
1: there's this mural at the end of this, you know, the very end of the street that sort of makes you think that you're looking down, you know, a faux Hollywood Boulevard, and it's really well painted to the point that at least once or twice a week, they're clearing up bird corpses. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no, that's sad. To this day, that, you know, just somebody, you know, some poor bird, it's like, well, I'm going to fly off into the blue
0: pool. You know? so. <laughs> Look it's sky, pretty sky. So. Yeah, the, uh, and they really didn't do, they, they could have made this the facade, as so we're walking, uh, walking down towards the Hollywood backlot, and we passed sort of this really ornate uh, facade for the uh, uh, Hyperion Theater, and they could have Made this the facade of the theater, but really it's just a twenty or thirty yards of of facade where they could have done the entire building. But I think that's again how they how they made it less expensive.
1: Well, this was the plan. I mean, or, or actually for phase two of the DCA redo, that this will shut down and get the um, you know the, the enclosed lobby. It'll get you know the proper theming. It'll you know finally become a really for real theater. But you will lose the. Um, you know the sort of painting at the end of the street.
0: Oh, that's fine. So, <clears throat> so we're coming up on the the Hollywood Backlot area as well. And was this a, was this an original part of the uh, the park? Yeah, yeah. I mean, mind
1: you, the the Alice in Wonderland theming that's all over the place was not.
0: Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah. So we're walking through right now, and it's sort of all pink and purple uh, and sort of Mad Tea Party theme. But back in the day, this was uh, it was more Hollywood themed. And they um, do they do open stage shows here, right?
1: Matter of fact, that's kind of the th- oh, boy. Um, yeah, they, this was the part of the park that really, really went wrong, that there were so many people, when they they talk about the early, early days of DCA, um, I mean, for example, behind us, the Monsters, Inc. attraction. Right. Uh, used to be Superstar Limo, and I, did you actually ever get on that, or?
0: No, it uh, closed down before I could ever get on here.
1: Yeah, I mean, it literally, it closed down January it didn't even make it a year. In January of two thousand two, and to so
0: describe describe the attraction for, uh, for our listeners.
1: Well, the dark ride. It was a, it was a dark ride. In fact, it was it was actually a very technically advanced dark ride. It was the first time ever that Disney had done onboard audio and video in a moving ride vehicle. Uh, you were supposed to be a celebrity who was being picked up at LAX that was going to your film pre- premiere, and just to sort of step back, when the attraction was originally designed, in fact. Across the way here, the the uh, where we see most of the Alice in Wonderland thing, that was where the ride was originally going to be positioned. Okay. And, in fact, the gimmick of the ride was that the outside of the building was the theme building from LAX. That literally, so you, that you know, I'm at the airport. I'm being, where's my driver? And it was going to be an indoor roller coaster because you were going to be chased by the paparazzi.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: And, um... You know, and, and actually, I, I, I got to see the model, and it was full of all these weird um, Hollywood references. I mean, for example, at one point, your ride vehicle was supposed to slow down at tail of the Pup, and there was going to be this. Tale of the Pup is
0: a uh, hot dog restaurant. Yes, yeah, shaped like a hot, hot dog. dog okay. Icon. Literal architecture. And,
1: but there was a guy, stand, you know, a giant fat man in front of you in an Elvis suit, who, you know, you were going to hear this fart noise, and then. We turn around. And it was actually Elvis, all right, but in, in his classic white jumpsuit. Yeah, yeah. But he had a mustard container that was making the fart noise. Uh, that was like without a mustard. I mean, it was that level of humor. Um, anyway, they are well into design. They've they've got their site plan worked. And then Princess Diana is killed in Paris, being chased by Pavarotti. And suddenly the ride goes out the window, and it's like, well, what do we do? And um, they now decide to go with a more slow-moving attraction. And again, here's poor Barry, who very late in the game, they have to um, figure out how they're going to do this. And Barry, I'm not going to say this is the most ethical thing I've ever heard of on the planet, but it's a really clever way to handle a problem. Um, Barry now had to fill five different rooms full of props and sets for, uh, you know, for different areas of Hollywood, the Hollywood Hills and the Premier and Hollywood Boulevard. And so he literally reached out to five different prop design companies and said, you know, we're thinking of working with you on future projects here at Disney, and we'd like a sample of your work. Can so you do this? Can you do this one room?
0: <laughs> and not
1: telling them that there were four other companies doing the other rooms. And so he basically got all of the sets in that uh Within the attraction for a ridiculously affordable, pr- which would have been wonderful if the attraction had actually worked or been popular. Um, but here's the weirdest part of the story: is when you came in to this park on opening day, the gift shop that's to the left, coming up the street next to the the you know the, the what Hollywood Wieners or whatever, yeah, yeah. that was all Superstar Limo merchandise there were shot glasses there were fuzzy pink date books there were t-shirts there were and it's just they were so convinced this was the hit attraction that that's where 90% of the retail effort for the side of the park went and wow and I, I that was a
0: miss I, well,
1: I, I, I remember distinctly it was like the, December 2004 I'm in Stanford Connecticut and one of those temporary Disney store sets up Walk in and it's like, oh, well, this is all DCA stuff, and it was literally two thirds of the store was was Hollywood, uh, 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 superstar limo, and to watch these poor people from Connecticut, are like, what, what is this? Where is Mickey? You, it says Disney Outlet. What is this crap?
0: So it's oh. like, it's like if Vogue were to come come in one day and say for fall sombreros are going to be in, it's yeah. <laughs> the kind of it's the kind of look you're going to get. So,
1: but no, it just it's, it's there was so much of this that was a misfire. I mean, for example, over there. The um, what they ended up building in the spot for uh, uh, you know for this park, uh, the the Hollywood and dine, where it was uh, it was a wonderful quick serve restaurant that recreated four great Hollywood restaurants. You had the Beachcomber, you had Trader Vic's, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and all the little dining areas were actual Hollywood history. Oh, neat. But again, um, closed you know in that post nine eleven period where.
0: Well, with well, with uh, with Superstar Limo not being a hit attraction, is anyone coming over here in two thousand one? Is anyone come over here to the side of the park for anything?
1: Well, no. And in fact, that that was the other thing that, that in fact, like, really, this is still kind of a backwater. Well, it, it, you know, but they're working it. I mean, Alice actually does these. This is where the Tron dance
0: yeah, thing yeah, yeah. was. Yeah, was, was Tron was pretty cool.
1: And it actually it does. You come here on a Saturday night a weekend. This place is hopping. This place is filled. So you know, sort of our conversation about you know, it was the
0: one day a week that pays for those six. Yeah, <laughs> so, so, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: Though again, harkening uh, back to Disney World history, I mean, the turn around here, the um, the Muppet Vision um,
0: attraction,
1: yeah. Muppet Vision attraction here. Remember our conversations about how, when you go to uh, the Magic Kingdom, how the marquee for. Uh, Monsters, Inc. is in the wrong place. People yeah. can never find the entrance to the building. Yeah. Same thing here. It, it's it's one, one of these things where you, you literally have to walk into Hollywood, uh, you know, Hollywood Pictures' backlot, and then as you walk up the street, turn around and torque your head.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like it's, a 270-degree turn to get into Monsters. I just ended up asking somebody, where's the entrance again?
1: Yeah, and it just, and, and you know, the, the irony, of course, is that, you know, here Disney's paid all this money for the Muppets, and... Um, you know, trying. You know, I, I guess that that is on the to-do list. It's the notion of a a new film, uh, yeah. but again, that's the, the Muppet purists are. You know, this is the very last thing Jim Henson worked on, so I don't know. If, you know, there's going to be a real pushback about removing Man. that, and more to the point, just repositioning the entrance in the the arc. Uh, you know, the marquee. So
0: yeah, the uh, the entrance there is really really difficult to say.
1: So. Anyway, why don't we head out to the the top of the street here?
0: Yeah, well, uh, we'll walk back out, out to the uh, the very top of the uh, the entrance loop, and we'll uh, we'll conclude the uh, this particular episode. But,
1: but again, it's just this was this was the area that like, look, I don't know how we went this far wrong, but we went wrong. Yeah, you know, and poor through a series of good, good yeah. intentions. Yeah, and that's the thing. Poor poor Barry took all the heat for this going south and it, w- it just really? was not fair because again this was the guy it's like here's your bright shiny dime make a theme park yeah. you know and he did what he could with you know um, and whether it was recycling you know attractions for uh, the studio like you know the um, the drawn animation thing here right uh, with Mushu again a lift directly from from MGM um, and then they, then there are deci- the decisions that you just think Wow! If they'd just gone the other way, I mean, for example, right here, where the um, the Disney Theater, where the Disney Junior show is presented, that
0: was the Soap Opera Bistro. Soap, soap opera bistro. Ooh, it's windy. You
1: know, only lasted.
0: No, hold on, some California winds here, Jim. Okay.
1: Uh, only lasted, I want to say, a year and a half.
0: What was but, the What was the idea behind it?
1: It, it? Literally, what they did is they went to ABC. And they got access to sets at uh, the, the best the ABC subs. For example, yeah. you okay. could eat in the nurse's station at General Hospital. Yeah. Or you could go to Luke's Place, you know, the, the bar that the Luke and Laura character hung out in. Uh, the Chandler Mansion from uh, All My Children. Um, you know, just, it was an amazing environment. But the argument was that, look, if you wanted people to actually go to this, shouldn't it have been out in downtown Disney? Where people, again, it, there's no
0: gate fee there. Right, there's no admission card. Yeah.
1: yeah um, and by putting it here, any soap fan that wants to actually eat in this environment had to pay to come into the park. And it just, they, back in the day, they thought they had the next franchise. You know, they were making plans to, to put these in New York and LA and everywhere and just died a dog's death because this is nah. where they did it.
0: Oh, it's a shame. Yeah. All right, we're leaving uh, the backlight area now. We're back to the entrance where the, uh, the sun will. Uh, used to be, and I assume, uh, so. That's we're, we've come for su- full circle now on the uh, on the park. So we're uh, we're ending this episode. It's sort of like let's say 2003, 2004. We're in the post 9/11 era. Disney knows that uh, DCA hasn't been sort of the the success that they thought it would be. What are they thinking of at this point?
1: Well, there's group suicide, but it's, you know. But can you get that much Kool-Aid? Uh, no, it's it's about do we go with quick fixes or do we, you know, we roll the dice again and go, and that'll have to be the story for our next podcast.
0: Great. Well, uh, on the next episode, then we'll go over the uh, the resurrection of uh, of DCA for Jim Hill. This is uh, Len Testa. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the Unofficial Guide Disney Dish Podcast. Please, please, please uh, go to iTunes and uh, rate us on the show and also tell us uh, more about what you would like to hear next. Again, for Jim Hill, this is Len Testa. Thanks very much, and we'll see you on the next show.